Welcome, everyone, to P.S. It's a Podcast. I'm Mike Spack, joined alongside my good friend, Will Price. Going to be a little bit different of a show this week. We're not going to be covering college football, but we'll start off with the Steelers. And I am joined, as I said before, with my good friend, Will Price. And I'll begin with the question, Will, how are you? You know, I was good until you mentioned the Steelers. Let me let me tell yeah, you. Well, that's why we're gonna get it out of the way first. Let me tell you about the Steelers team. That game on Sunday was an utter disgrace, a complete farce, and a waste of a perfectly good Sunday afternoon. Spack, I've never seen a worse NFL football game. And you know, remember remember years ago the Steelers played the Miami Dolphins in a similar fashion. But they ended up winning that game like nine to seven on Monday Night Football. Uh, but at least they actually won that game. This time around, it was just complete garbage. And the fact that we ended with a tie against arguably the worst team in the NFL uh, is just, it's baffling. Uh, just too many. Missed opportunities, mistakes on both sides of the ball. The defense couldn't tackle. They couldn't stop the run. You know, Jared Goff going in that going into overtime had like only 30 yards in the air. So like, how are they still in the game? And then on top of that, it, it just looked like Mason Rudolph was completely lost out there. You know, this is a guy that uh, you know, a couple of seasons ago under his under his reign, we were still able to win a couple games here and there. I mean, we went eight and eight. And of course, that was the, the year that Duck Hodges came onto the scene as well. But to have him throw it well over 50 times is just, it's, it makes zero sense to me. Um, I put, I put that, you know, also to me, this is, this is a loss, you know. You're it feels that way. It feels that way. Mason threw it 50 times and I think only had what 189 yards. I don't understand how he could throw it 50 times and have under like 225. He had 242. Um, but okay, so he got 242 thanks to overtime. I know he finished yeah. regulation under 100, I think, yeah. under 200. Um, but it just it made no sense, you know. Deontay Johnson losing that fumble stupidly, you know. Pat Fryermuth, as much as we love him, lost the fumble. That was a nail in the coffin. Um, it's the first game in four years I saw Pat drop a football. Yeah, I mean they weren't good throws. Uh, no, James Washington. <laughs> It, well, it, James Washington had that great catch in the horribly thrown ball in that quadruple coverage. Yeah. Um, Mason should have never thrown that ball to him. But we, we want to talk about Mason for a second. There, there's some people that are like, oh, I guess he didn't play that well. If you look at the stats, you can kind of think, oh, maybe he played okay. But, like, no. Uh, I, I came out of this going, all right, I've seen enough Mason Rudolph. Guy's been in the system for four years, and he can't beat an 0-8 Lions team. Now I know the I know the weather conditions were bad and he had like 
maybe about 15 hours of prep time to know that he was going to be the starter with Ben self-reporting symptoms mm-hmm. uh, Saturday night. But I, like, like, like you said, he missed so many crucial throws on third down and just not being able to connect with receivers. I no, like the, the current next quarterback is not on this roster. And no. that's just, that just confirmed. And you might be asking yourself, Oh, what about Dwayne Haskins? Well, apparently he looks so bad in warmups trying to throw passes that people were actually like, this guy's a quarterback still in the NFL. It's yeah. just, I I mean, Spack, I honestly think that Ben Roethlisberger might be paying Mason Rudolph to play so poorly because you know, you look at you look at the the last three years and Mason came in for Ben um after Ben got injured and really kind of stunk up the joint and made we people miss Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, well, I, I, you could at least have the defense back then that the concussion really ruined him and shook his confidence. We never knew how good he was. I thought he actually played okay in the Browns game last year. Um, that was also because he was the only quarterback on the roster who was hitting deep throws for the last part of the season for us. But you look at this, I do think the weather played a big part in it, but like you gotta hit those throws on third down. Like everything that a four-year NFL quarterback should do, he wasn't able to do. Yeah. He's definitely regressed since the year that he started. Yeah. And and remember that like we have to go back. The year he started, he was in and out of the lineup with Duck Hodges. Yeah. Where's Duck Hodges now? Exactly. Uh, I I think that, you know, we spent a third round pick for him. Uh, that was what we got in the Martavis Bryant trade. It, just, you know, he, whether it's who he didn't develop or he didn't pan out, it's one of the two. But I'd say we haven't had a good backup quarterback on this team maybe in maybe a decade. Not since Charlie um, Batch. I was going to say not since Charlie, Byron Leftwich. And I'd throw Dennis Dixon in there because he was able to steal one or two. But, you know, Dixon, obviously uh, not not the same stature as the other two. But I was always a big Dennis Dixon fan from the time that he played at Oregon. But. But, yeah, Charlie was, you know, obviously big fan favorite, too. But we have not had a good backup quarterback in possibly a decade. We stuck with Landry Jones way too long. Oh, yeah. But. And we all know how it went, and now it looks like it. I don't know. It, you could te- I, I could watch Landry Jones play, and I could watch Mason Rudolph play, and I'm like, wow, is that the same guy? Yeah. At least with Charlie Batch, you knew that you were still going to get a functional offense. It wasn't going to be high powered by any means, but he was really good at running the offense, not turning over the ball. There's a lot of value in a good backup quarterback. And Mason Rudolph has not proved to be that guy. Um, even, you know, when they chose him with that third round pick, I think they had high hopes that, you know, maybe he'd succeed Ben. But on top of that, too, like, um, you need a solid backup quarterback, especially when Ben Roethlisberger is your quarterback, because he always finds himself on the injury list at least once or twice a year, um, if not longer. Yeah. You remember the year that Ben was if you remember the year Ben was suspended for the, what, the first four games, uh, Charlie came in was what? He was 4-0, right? Yeah. So I I think that um, 
just also James Washington has got to go too. I mean, he's he had yeah. six targets in that game, two catches for fifteen yards and one touchdown. Um, I just and I also just really I feel bad for Najee Harris. I feel like, you know, his, oh his, boy, a running back were running into the ground just like Le'Veon Bell and James Conner. Yeah, what did I say on draft night? Yeah, people can continue to be cynical about, oh, you guys wanted to get an offensive lineman. Oh, yes. And I still think that we yeah. would have gotten Najee Harris in the second round. We might not have Pat Frymuth right know now. I don't know about that because uh, we ended up not uh, – running back started to fall off the board after we took one. I know uh, right after that – ETN. Like two more went, but – yeah, Travis Etienne like went what two picks later, um, and then Michael Carter. I can't remember. I think Michael Carter was a second round pick, or maybe was a third round pick. But I mean, I was very adamant that I wanted Javante Williams out of North Carolina as well, and he would have been there in the third or the second. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Broncos took him in the early second or mid second. Yeah, am I mad that we have Najee Harris? Absolutely not. But I am terrified for him because there's nobody blocking for him. Uh, he had 26 carries, and then he also had another four catches. That's 30 touches in a game. Uh, you know, and he just—he's not indestructible, y'all. Like this is this is what happens to running backs in the league. They get overused. The wheels are gonna fall off at some point. Um, so we we all thought Derrick Henry was invincible, and now Derrick Henry's done for the season. Yeah. All right, that's enough commiserating. I mean, we're playing the Chargers on Sunday night. Uh, Chargers open up as a six-point favorite. Uh, we'll have more fans in SoFi Stadium Sunday night, but I don't know if we're going to – like, if Ben plays right, Ben hasn't practiced for two – like, for what, a week and a half? That's not good. And Ben always looks bad after, you know, always coming off an injury looks bad. Now, this isn't an injury per se, um, but it is COVID. And then you know, we've seen Mason, but Mason's had a, now a full week to prepare instead of, you know, the 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 overnight, hey, you're going to start. Look, it's a hard game to judge. Uh, traditionally, the Steelers, it always feels like we don't travel well to the West Coast, but we also have beaten up on the Chargers a good time in the past, but they've also, you know, had some good games against us. I think the the six points, I understand that for the line because of the quarterback start is in question, but I think it might be a little bit closer than that, but maybe that's me getting my hopes up a little bit. All I'm saying is I wouldn't be surprised if we end up stealing this thing with about a minute left, but also I wouldn't be surprised if it is not a fun evening Sunday night. Yeah, here's what I'll say about this Chargers game. Um, it's it's very clear that both teams in this matchup have severely underperformed throughout the year, and uh, you know the Chargers coming in at five and four. A lot of people peg them as potential uh, AFC West champions. I don't think that's going to happen at this point. I think, I think that the Chiefs are are picking up steam and. No matter where the Chargers are, whether they're in San Diego or L.A., I mean, they're still the Chargers. They're still going to underperform. 
um, when it matters the most. So, yep. now whether or not that they do that against the Steelers remains to be seen. Um, you know, I think it's really hard to pick the Steelers because our defense is supposed to be our strong point and they're not showing up right now. Uh, they can't seem to make tackles. It's well, been an issue. Also hurt. He's yeah, TJ Watt yeah. is hurt. Minka's out. Joe Hayden's questionable. Those are our top three stars on the defensive end. Um, or maybe next to Cam Hayward. Um, but it just it feels like this is a game that is not going to bode well for the Steelers. And even if Ben plays, he's going to be rusty. Yes, yeah. He's not. He's. I'm very like it's almost like maybe just let Mason start, and if we're in a real bind, he can throw Ben in because in recent years Ben is just not good coming off an injury or time off. No. Uh, so I guess <laughs> the real question is, Spack, do you see the Steelers winning at least three more games on the season? At least three. Yeah. I I can see it because. <laughs> If we win three more games and we lose out, then that means we've ended eight, eight, and one. That's a winning yes, season. But my meme will become a reality. <laughs> That's a winning season, technically. I, I I jokingly said to you, and remember, I said Tomlin's gonna go eight, eight, and one and keep that never lose had a losing season moniker. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. So Maybe. can they get three more wins? I think they definitely could and go eight, eight, and one. <laughs> if we if they do, we'll throw a party. It'll be I, very mediocre. I, I'll be laughing. I'll be laughing all the way. All right. We want to quickly go through big games here. Yeah, let's do it. Five and four Bengals head to Las Vegas, take on the five and four Raiders, four oh five on CBS. Cincinnati's actually favored by one. Here on the road, those two games were, you know, two AFCs trying to stay a stay afloat in this weird AFC year we're having. Um, I'll quickly mention that the Patriots won twenty five nothing over the Falcons last night, as the Patriots have now won, I think, four five straight. Uh, they look dangerous, but also I looked at the records of the teams they've played so far. No real, uh, no real world beaters on there, but the second half of the Patriots' schedule is going to be very interesting when they're playing the. Uh, they still got both of their games against the Bills, and they have the Titans coming up. Yeah, I mean, you know that, and it's not going to matter to people that you know this Patriots team, whether or not they're beating good teams or not. It's not going to matter. They're they're going to. They're trying to find any reason to believe that they're back um i i will say oh, mac I, jones I, I will say mac jones does look like the front runner right now for offensive rookie of the year um at least in the afc and i i think that was the ultimately the right pick for them um looking at this looking yeah, at well, this bengal's raiders matchup worst scenario was <laughs> yeah Looking 30, at this, 31 other teams just let them draft Mac Jones. Well, technically, there's 14 other teams. 
No, they could have traded. Other teams could have traded up. I'm blaming everyone. Uh, we needed a united front, Will. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, but anyway, looking at this Bengals and Raiders matchup, uh, I both both teams are coming off pretty poor showings. So it's really hard to pick a clear favorite in this one. Um, I'm going to yeah. say that because it's in Las Vegas, I'm going to take the Raiders and uh, I'll take the points as well. I mean, minus one is <laughs> pretty much a shoe in. That's too close to call. So. Yeah, I'm gonna take I'll, the I'll take the Bengals just because the I'll, I'll take the Bengals more so because it seems like the Raiders are a team in free fall with everything going on around them in the you know the off the field stuff with them and I think the Bengals need a rebound win so I'll take the line I'll take it's funny you know if Vegas says Vegas is gonna lose so I'll take uh, I'll take the Vegas line and actually take the Bengals in this one but I won't I, I won't be surprised if this is my wrong pick of the week. On our second game, we have the seven and two Cowboys heading to Arrowhead to take on the six and four Chiefs. This is your national four twenty five game on Fox. Kansas City surprisingly favored by two and a half. Uh, Cowboys coming off that you know massive win over the the Falcons, where once again it seems like anyone's just going to beat the Falcons, which is why I'm not really impressed by that Patriots win last night. Um, but hey, Patriots fans, you can you can say you're back all you want. My only thing to you is you spent all last year telling the Steelers to beat a good team. I'm going to say the same thing to you. Beat a good team, and then we'll talk. Yeah. Uh, the matchup to look for in this game is obviously going to be Travion Diggs versus Tyreek Hill. Um, Diggs has been a big play guy for the Cowboys. Sorry. <laughs> Diggs has been a, a big play guy for the Cowboys. I don't know what just happened there. I think I was like – you, yeah, you keep going in and out. You like slow down. Like you sound like a little like you've been drinking the sauce a little bit. Uh, I have, there's there's no sauce that has been ingested. I promise you. No, it's uh, it's eleven fifty on a Friday. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Travion Diggs has has been the big play guy for the Cowboys on the defensive side of the ball this year, alongside our guy Micah Parsons. He's got. Uh, Eight interceptions and uh, 13 pass deflections, which ranks first and second, respectively. Uh, but it's a, he's also been known to give up some pretty big plays. Um, you look at that Patriots game, yeah, pick yeah. six, and then he gave up basically those points right back the next play. So yep. he's not he's not a traditional shutdown corner. Um, and I think with Tyreek Hill's speed and his route running ability, I, I think that he has the slight edge in this matchup. Um, my, my thing for the Chiefs is uh, it looks like they're getting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire back. Will they be able to use him effectively? And will they be able to take care of the ball? I know Pat Mahomes already has 10 picks on the year. I mean, he's making Ben Roethlisberger look good right now. And, uh, but he's also passing it more, uh, than, than most 
They they haven't really had a run game. Sounds familiar. Um, but out of out of the some of the top quarterbacks, Pat Mahomes is up there in interceptions. So yeah. this is I think that the Chiefs have way more to play for in this game than the Cowboys do. If the Cowboys lose, I don't think the Cowboys are gonna lose the division lead. Like I, I don't I think, think so. if the Chiefs lose, this opens up the door for teams like the Raiders if they can get it together, or maybe even the Chargers to kind of usurp them and, and get back ahead. Because uh, the Chiefs just got their lead back. Um, whereas yeah. the Cowboys are on a much weaker division, notably. And uh, I don't think these, as much as like, like, here's the thing. People are going to talk about the Cowboys regardless if they win this game or not. That's going to be the big story. Um, the Cowboys are going to be just fine. They've got, a, I think, a four-game lead in the division right now. And, of course, they could always choke it. But um, I'm, with all that being said, I'm taking the Chiefs. Really? I'm taking the Chiefs. You're going to take I, the Chiefs. I, I, I think, you know, what really shook my confidence in the Cowboys um, was that really bad loss the other week against the Broncos. That is not a good Broncos team. And, yes, no, they might have. Jack also hadn't practiced for two weeks. <laughs> yes, but they, uh, like, they might have righted the ship against the Falcons, but. I've seen the Cowboys lose these games time and time again. And it's pretty much the same crew. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to take the Cowboys just because I'm tired of seeing the Chiefs squeak out wins. And I think that, like you said, with Trayvon Diggs and Michael Parsons, I think that's going to cause a lot of disruption for a off off kilter uh, Patrick Mahomes. And that Chiefs defense isn't good. And I expect Dak Prescott to have a field day. So I'm going to go Cowboys by seven, at least. All right, we'll see. We'll see. And then your, uh, I mean, we already had your Sunday night games, the Steeler game. So in your primetime battle on Monday night, three and six Giants take on the six and three Buccaneers on Monday night football. I, I didn't even bother writing the line on this one. So it looks like the Bucks will be without Antonio Brown as Mr. Big Chest has become Mr. Big Felony with his news of the fake vaccine card. <laughs> I mean, are you surprised? You know, it's been it's been too long since our last Antonio Brown controversy. <laughs> um, yeah, telling stat is I think the Bu- the Buccaneers without Antonio Brown are like one in three. Whoa. I mean, yes, he's he's still a very good receiver, but he's not a very good person. So I'm not very I'm not surprised by this news in the slightest. I just had to kind of ch- chuckle. Bucks have not looked good the last two weeks. 
or I guess the last three weeks, because so they had a buy in between there. But Bucks have not looked good. So I'm thinking maybe the Giants, if they can get Saquon Barkley going, might have a chance to steal one. Yeah, well, that's that's definite. That's a definite reasoning. They they have not looked good for three weeks now. They've looked extremely inconsistent. And a and I'll, I mean we'll flat out say it, that that was a bad Washington team they lost to last week. That the performance Washington game gave was the what we expected out of that defense all year, and now we just see it in flashes. Yeah, and now they're without Chase Young for the rest of the year, so it's not going to get much better. Nope. It's only going to get worse. All right. That's your sports talk. We're going to go into entertainment, and then we'll finish with AEW talk slash other pro wrestling news. Will, there was a Spider-Man trailer this week. You want to lead off on that? Yeah. So, uh, believe it or not, Spider-Man No Way Home comes out in less than a month. And uh, mm-hmm. as we as we get closer... Um, we're, we'll probably, uh, do some more preview stuff and we'll, we'll have a review for you in the next month or so. Um, but until then they released a second trailer. Um, a lot of things got confirmed. Uh, Green Goblin's going to be in the movie for sure. Uh, Doc Ock's going to be in the movie for sure. Electro, um, and then two new kind of revelations is, the lizard and sandman uh and it seemed like from the trailer um their their commonality which i never even really picked up on was that you know they all met their fate at the hands of spider-man whether whether we really picked up on that as as kids or not um and that was still at a time where the villain dies at the end of the movie yeah well, I mean, Mysterio died at the end of uh, uh, Far From Home, so I guess they're keeping did he? it going. I think he did, or maybe maybe he's this. Maybe he's the. Okay, so let's go into this. Who do you think is going to be the final member of the Sinister Six? Could be Mysterio. Um, you know, Mysterio's been part of the Sinister Six in the comic books. Obviously, Vulture was one of the original members, I believe. Um, but the MCU Vulture say, yeah, doesn't. Michael Keaton could show back up. The MCU Vulture doesn't really have that much of a reasoning, other than you know, Spider Man sent him to jail. Um, could we get a surprise Scorpion appearance? They've been setting him up. He made an appearance at the end of Homecoming. Or is it going to be Mr. Symbio himself, Eddie Brock, a.k.a. Venom? I hope not. (laughs) Do you think Venom will make... According to the end of... uh... Uh, spoilers if you hadn't seen Venom Let There Be Carnage the end credit scene shows uh, them being sucked into the MCU do you, 
Do you think uh, Venom is going to... Possibilities on the table. Do you think Venom's going to be in the uh, in the movie at any point, or is he going to be kind of like uh, end credits, bring that together? I think he'll be an end credits. I think he'll be an end credits thing. It, well, it, it's funny, like, trying to talk about this movie, because, like, if you followed any of the leaks, it, you know more stuff that's going to be in it. And it was funny this week watching everyone going... Why, why aren't they showing off this, all the Spider-Mans in the trailer? We already know they're going to be in it. Um, I'll say this. Do you want that moment ruined for you in a trailer, even though you know it's coming? Or would you rather just see what they're going to do when you build up to it in the movie? I kind of just like... Because everyone knows kind of basically the gist of what's going to happen so far. So like, yeah, show me the villains and then let me... The cool stuff you can hold back on because everyone already is going to go see the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I I would rather not get, um, I would rather not get spoiled in a trailer. Exactly. <laughs> like all I needed was that leaked image and go, okay, that's enough for now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'll say this: like it, I, I've kind of not enjoyed the Phase Four films. I've enjoyed the shows a lot more. And I'm just like, I'm tired of like any type of emotional impactful moment being ruined by some snide joke or quip that just completely ruins it. And it was like Doc Ock trying to talk to Peter in the trailer, right? And they just start immediately making fun of his name. I'm like, it's such like low hanging fruit, right? Mm hmm. That's one of the things with the MCU I'm just getting so tired of. Yeah, uh, we talked a little bit before. It feels like they're just trying really too hard to be meta. Yeah, like, I don't need you to wink, wink, nudge, nudge me the whole time. You can do your one acknowledgement and move on. Um, it, it's, it, I, I don't know, like, I mean, we all... I think we have plans to go back and watch them, but I'll, you know, I've, I've kind of watched them more recently anyway, mm -hmm. but like we have like the one line of Jonah and Spider-Man two going like, like saying Otto's name and going like crazy to think that he would then become a man with eight arms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like it, you did that, but also like didn't completely belittle it. Like there's a different way to do it other than just going, your name's Otto Octavius and you're an octopus. <laughs> Like, yeah. And then I don't know, like, Strange's dialogue all feels off to me. Maybe he is secretly Mephisto because, like, I don't know what Scooby Doo this crap means. I don't think he's Mephisto. I think it's just bad writing. Yeah, I think so as well. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to give them credit enough for them to say to make Doctor Strange actually be Mephisto the whole time. I, I don't sound like I'm really excited for this movie, and I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of not. Just because I think it's going to, like, narratively just be a mess. It's almost... By the way, well, did you see what the the rumored run runtime is? Is it, like, three hours? Like, three hours. <sighs> now, 
I don't complain about Endgame's runtime. I thought that was a breeze of a three-hour movie. But the last couple MCU films, I'm looking at my watch a little bit. I'm like, I mean, looking at Eternal, that was two and a half hours. And I was like, it felt like five, right? Yeah. Well, also, we both had headaches going into the screening. And we were sitting way too (laughs) close. And I was tired. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll preface it with this. Uh, tickets go on sale next week. We might grab them for for a row, but there ain't going to be no get there 15 minutes before the movie starts with this one, my friend. No, we're going to have to be there a whole hour before. Yeah, that's fine. You have any thoughts on the trailer? I've, I've kind of dominated this talk. Uh, we want Miles Morales. Okay. I think no and I'll, and I'll honestly hear me out. I think that eventually, you know, Tom Holland has has stated that if he's still playing Spider-Man at the age of 30, he's done something horribly wrong with his career. Um, you know, this is the third this is the third movie in the MCU Spider-Man franchise. I don't think that there's much more for him to do. But they're not gonna. They're not gonna want to. I think there is. I mean, I as a soul as because... solo movies or as like team up movies. Solo movies. We're still dealing with the Spider Man that's still in high school. Yeah, but I also think that Holland does have a point. Like he isn't getting any younger. Well, that's my thing is that like I well we we both love Spider-Man PS4, right? Mm-hmm. I would just I I'm so and I think you've said it too. I'm so sick of high school Spider-Man. Like I do think it would be interesting to follow Holland Spider-Man from high school through college. Mm-hmm. But I I understand as an actor, it, it yeah, it's not. Like, that is something that you're going to, like, do you want to play this character for this amount of time? I I understand that. Like, you people want to go do other things and not be, you know, sadly typecast as just that person forever. Uh, not, not to be mean to Mr. Holland here, but uh, I haven't really seen Tom Holland in anything good except the Spider-Man movies. And even those I don't love. No, and I don't. I don't always necessarily think that's Tom Holland's fault. I think he. I think he needs someone else. To fix. He needs a. He needs to get a better agent to start getting better roles for him. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's a fun actor, but it's obvious that he's not. It's supposed to be Nathan Drake. <laughs> that hasn't even come out yet, and we already know it's going to be bad. Well, yeah. Well, number one, video game movie. Two, just it, that movie is just horribly miscast. Yeah. But I'm talking about movies like Cherry, that w- which wasn't good, and then uh, Chaos Walking, which was a disaster. Like the man outside of Spider-Man has not had a lot of hits, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um. Well, outside of that, we've got some more depressing news. 
Uh, More WWE, WWE cuts because the, the budget must be trimmed. Yeah, the WWE just keeps dropping talent. This time Two around. Two weeks after the last. Yeah, they didn't even wait a month this time. Nope. Uh, this time around, um, you have notable names such as John Morrison, which I believe did his, did his wife um, get released in the last wave. I, I didn't even know John Morrison was married. Uh, he's he's married to Taya Valkyrie, um, who yeah, Taya Valkyrie was the last last ground of cuts. Yeah, she was um, Frankie Monet and in, uh, in NXT did not last long. Okay. Um, we also have. Top Dalla, Ashanti, Adonis, and Isaiah Swerve Scott. Uh, they made a, the faction hit row. Of course, B-Fab, who was um, in that faction with them, got released during the last cuts as well. Um, so hit row is gone. Lots of talented uh, individuals in that group. Sad to see them go. Tegan Knox. Um, great, great woman's wrestler. Uh, has faced a lot of chronic uh, knee injuries over the last uh, few years. She's been let go. I, I I expect her to sign with somewhere big as soon as she gets healthy. Yeah. Um, Drake Maverick getting released for the second time in as many years. <laughs> um, and then we've got Shane Thorne and Jackson Riker. Um, yeah. Jackson Riker was famously a part of uh, the Forgotten Sons. And, um, yeah, like yeah. a lame biker gimmick character. The, the rest of his group mates had already been let go uh, last year. So, yeah, I think I'm not really surprised to see him get released as well but still it just this budget cuts uh i mean they haven't released an explanation as to why but every single time before it's just been because of budget cuts according to nick khan and even though they're the most profitable they've ever been yeah so i think one thing people don't realize is that the wwe has a brutal road schedule and yep. their their talent is if they're not already burnt out, they're gonna get burnt out very soon. Um, and so, yeah. well, this is what Sean Rothstein said. That with this last round of cuts, now they're going into depth they already had. Like, yeah, now it's getting real thin. So, it, it to me. These are just kind of ridiculous, and they're releasing good talent too. In a time when they're competing with AEW to be the top wrestling promotion in the U.S., they're literally just handing them like talent all the time. Uh, and I feel bad for yeah. John Morrison. He came back to WWE, and they clearly had nothing for him to do no, they, other than to reteam up with the Miz. So. It, 
John Morrison, I think at the end of the day is going to be one of the biggest, like, how did you misuse this guy? Yeah. Like, how was he never a world champion outside of the ECW title, which really kind of doesn't count. I I don't know. I don't know. He's supremely talented in the ring. He's a he's an entertaining character um on the mic as well. It just it's upsetting to see. Yeah. I don't know. Does this delay the video game again, which just just had a trailer leak? <laughs> I mean, they 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 were like, "Oh, we were gonna wait until February, but we could or January, but we couldn't. We couldn't wait." Uh, Do you think they're getting ready to sell? I think so. I think I think now I'm starting to believe it. Just it's just been so many cuts. Triple H is bet when Triple H gets healthy. Well, the best case for him might not be sticking with the WWE, WWE, but the buy, but but the buy ring of honor. Ooh, I would like to see that. That would be really interesting. Does he have the capital for that? Because what they should, he definitely has got the capital for that. <laughs> I don't know how much Triple H is he, worth. He's part, I mean, he's part McMahon, ain't he? <laughs> oh, it, it looks like he was here, he's, he's uh, worth just under $150 million. Okay, and then how much is his wife worth? Yeah, I'm going to see. So she's worth the same. Okay. That's it. how much do you think it would cost to buy Ring of Honor? I think it would be a lot less than 150 million. Yeah, I mean, especially since they just released all their talent from actual contracts. They're just kind of an indie show now. Yeah, or you're going back to being a super indie. I think because I, I don't know with what they've shown with his, the, by releasing the talent that he cultivated and completely changing ROH while he's had to sadly step away due to health reasons. Mm-hmm. If you're triple H, what more do you see in your case to move up here when it all of Vince's old stooges are now coming for you? Like, yeah. And also like if you, I mean, obviously Sean's been working in NXT with triple H, like maybe Sean and triple H, go and like let's like i said let's go buy roh together let's do let's do this here and then you know creating that forbidden door working relationship wouldn't it be great to see triple h be able to work with aew in that forbidden door way of you know having talent go between and then also with impact well i mean triple h did call AEW a pissant company of course he did. Uh, but no, I think I don't think they even necessarily have to buy another promotion. If they wanted to just use their name to to get another promotion going and maybe just have 
um, Triple H do what he did for NXT in a place like Ring of Honor? Because, like, you know, I, I think we were all hoping that, that Triple H would eventually take the reins in WWE. Um, yeah. But it just seems like Vince is stuck in his ways and he has no intention of, of stepping down anytime soon. Um, yeah, this well, might... Or he is he's getting ready to sell to NBC Universal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. But it also... Um, it also stands to... I wonder, you know, if Triple H maybe knows that he's next in line and like he's just letting this happen because it's the only way that he's actually going to get any reins in the company. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, he has his health scare and then everything around him that he's built has been just gutted. Yeah. Yeah. From guys like Kevin Dunn, Bruce Pitchard, like, and I think if you look at the network side of things, if they're going to get ready to sell, who are they going to, you know, Pritchard and Dunn have years more television experience than Triple H in yeah. terms of running. I think that's why that they'll look at them over him. At the same, I mean, we're getting very speculatory in what could happen and what maybe will happen, uh-huh. but I, I think you look at, I also for like Triple H, I know loves this business. His, I, I, with his heart problems, like his, his in-ring career is over. As it should be. The man's 51 yeah, like, years old. I know he, unless he does like a one-off thing of like a run-in or like a 30-second thing where he just hits a pedigree and that's it. I don't yeah. think we're ever going to see him have a proper match again other than if he, because just that uh, any type of heart problem is just going to be, yeah. And I know obviously not the, not the thing to his career he may want, but I think there is a place for him somewhere in this business as a booker or as a creative driven guy, but I don't think he's going to flourish in WWE anymore. So I think he's got to carve off his own path away. Now I don't think he's going to go to AEW, um, but I, was, I think Impact would, Impact or ROH, NWA would all be happy to have him. If you were Gato, maybe MLW. If you if you're Gato in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling, would you give Triple H the reins for their American product? Maybe, maybe. Like that could be sick. Yeah, it is. I think in this world for professional wrestling that we're in, it whatever way we get the best wrestling through the forbidden door process, because the it, it's not happening in the WWE. What, what's been shown for the best product is, uh, and I think CM Punk said it after after Full Gear. He doesn't believe that there's any hardcore fan like that there's any casual fans left. It's all hardcore fans you got to appeal to. Mm-hmm. So giving the best case possible for it's best, I think for all the companies to work together and the best possible way. 
now, if you have any closing arguments, we can get into Full Gear Fallout. Let's do it. Okay. What was your match of the night? Uh, well. It is, it, it, I think this might be the highest graded show, but I don't know if this was the pay-per-view I enjoyed the most. No, I would still say that... Um... I would stay. I don't know. I think I still remember all out more because of the returns and all the buzz around it. Like that's always going to be such a big show because of punk's first in ring return and the, the returns afterward. Like in terms of match quality though, this was a better show than all out, but all out still stayed in my mind more. Yeah. And that's not to say that all out was, (laughs) bad by any means all in match quality. wasn't bad either <laughs> yeah no and like every over, pay-per-view has been fantastic yeah to overshadow double or nothing too is like because double or nothing was really entertaining as well um, yep. it just feels like aw has just done a really good job of building and building and building uh their product and each pay-per-view is just, it's been worth it um all right, so yeah, my my match of the night. Um, honestly, my favorite match of the night was Darby Allen versus MJF, and um, I don't think it was and that was the opener. Yeah, I don't think that was the best match of the night. I will still give that to Kenny versus Hangman, but my favorite was Darby Allen versus MJF. I it maybe really appreciate MJF as as his his character like. I want to hate MJF and I really do. And even people that just like we were watching with some friends and uh, that including my wife and she just took one look at him. Didn't know anything about his story and was like, nope, don't like him. (laughs) And immediately like, you know how good of a heel you have to be? To have your entire persona just be instantly off-putting the people. Yeah. Like, even MJF fans don't like MJF. Because he doesn't like them. Yeah. Nope. Um, and, and he's I always just, in character. Yeah. I think that they put on a straight-up wrestling clinic. And there wasn't so much screwy stuff that it was unwatchable like the it, they really saved the best stuff for last um darby allen yep. kept suspending belief that he was gonna lose but ultimately mjf came out on top um they had a lot of really entertaining moments including them trying to uh get a roll-up pin on each other and then they just ended up rolling all around the ring um so yeah, was, that spot was crazy um it was my my favorite match at least to watch um and it it i think it will stand out as one of those underrated gems for for um history going forward yeah and once again two of the four pillars facing off and then opening match pay-per-view it wasn't, I think it was a year or two ago that the opening match, I think maybe it was to a double or nothing, uh, was 
MJF versus Jungle Boy, and that was another incredible match featuring you know the uh, another two of the four pillars. This time, that time it was MJF Jungle Boy. This time it was MJF Darby Allen. Uh, MJF getting win in both of them, so he's now conquered two of the four pillars of a two of the four pillars of AEW. Mm-hmm. But. I, I would agree, like, I think it was the show dealer, and that was the opener. Like, I think before the night, we all expected CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston to steal the show. And, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll both be honest. This is a night where there were plenty of good matches to steal. But if we're both talking about you're the one that stole it, that's, uh, I mean, that was just an elevated night right there. Um, You know, if we want to get into star ratings, both MJ, Darby Allen and MJF was four and a half, four and a half for CM Punk and Eddie Kingston as well. So now at that point, you're just down to preference. We did have two five-star matches on the show. The, the Christian and Jurassic Express versus the Super Click False Count Anywhere was five stars. That was in my top three of the matches tonight as well. That standing moonsault that uh, Luchasaurus did off the stage was absolutely incredible. What a spot. Uh, those two get, those two teams beat the hell out of each other for what seemed like what 20 30 minutes mm-hmm. a very fun and well well paced false count anywhere match and then five and a half stars was the world championship match between Kenny Omega and hangman Adam page um we all kind of like it and I know like when the when the intro video happened we had all of page's journey up to it like but there was still that possibility like maybe he doesn't win tonight mm-hmm and oh, what an ending! That that top rope move that Kenny gave Hangman, where that looked like oh they almost gosh. killed each other, and then learning that Kenny was working with such a bad shoulder that he couldn't lift weights, his lower back is completely shot, and he's been working with vertigo. If Kenny Omega is still that good with all of those ailments, you can't say he's not the best wrestler in the world because they put on an absolute banger of a match. Yeah. In terms of storytelling, just masterclass. So I think I think because of maybe learning about all of that in the end, my top match might be Omega versus Adam Page. But like no short of good matches on this card. Like we didn't even talk about Brian and Miro, which was another good match, but had a weird ending. CM Punk any Kingston was really good. Uh, the the inner circle uh, American top team you know street fight was fun. I think it went a little bit long though. I would have liked to see a little you know five or ten more minutes to Hangman Kenny, but knowing Kenny's uh, condition, I can see why that went a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I am surprised to see Pac and Cody Rhodes versus Malachi and Andrade at four stars. I thought that would have been like a three and a half match. I can see four stars. I think that all all four members of of that match are very talented. It just it, it came at a time in the card where the crowd was a little bit dead. Yeah, they'd seen a lot already. So those are our matches of the night. Where do you see things shaking out from here? Uh, we're going to get Hangman versus Brian. That's the first title defense for our new our new champion. But I also see us moving into phase two of AEW. 
Uh, if you look at the All Out 2018 poster, the four heads on the top of it are Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, John Moxley, and Hangman Page. Mm-hmm. Now all four men have held the AEW world title. And Hangman being the first real homegrown talent in AEW to win the belt, everyone else kind of built up their stature elsewhere. So I look forward to see what uh, they do now with the homegrown talent that they've now cultivated and exposed over two years. Do you kind of maybe take this start taking more of a lead here? Yeah. So as, they, as they've done a good job of building new stars. Um, in the same way that uh, those four guys have now captured the AW world title. Um, I think that, you know, obviously you've had, um, a strong TNT championship run from Darby Allen. Um, you've had a strong one from Miro. You're getting top work rate matches out of Sammy Guevara. Um, just l- look at his match against Jay Lethal this past Wednesday. You know, maybe MJF. Excellent. Maybe MJF takes the belt off of Sammy. Um, I think that. It, it really depends on you know. I it, it, they did say that MJF is is pretty much going after the the title after this uh, Brian Danielson Hangman feud, um, which it seems like uh, Brian is is saying that Hangman can't hang with him in the ring that he's not uh, the same work rate as Kenny Omega. Um, so I, I really look forward to that matchup. Um, and then we also had CM Punk and well, MJF being teased. Said, yeah, that, that's, that's going to be good. But uh, as far as Hangman goes, he did say that he did something Brian Danielson wasn't able to do, which was beat Kenny Omega in under 30 minutes. Yeah. He beat the final boss. Um, and I think also, uh, this might moving forward, this might be CM Punk's first loss coming up. Uh, I think MJF will be his first loss. That makes sense because I feel like every single match that we have with Punk that we, it's like, a the, uh, the time, the time's running out, right? The <laughs> whole first part has been, can you still hang? And every match gets a little bit closer to him losing, right? Yeah. Um, it it was a great setup. He didn't even say a word to MJF and just really got in his head. Uh, it was perfect. So we'll see how that plays out. I think it'll be the best match of MJF's career. That's what I'm predicting out of this matchup. <laughs> That's it. It's like you can you say that, but like that's a hard. Like he's already had a bunch of good matches, so like it is right. quite the, I'll the say prediction this. to go out there with. I think this will be MJF's first five star match of his career. Okay, yeah, I, I can't remember if that Jungle Boy match was five stars though, but like, I. <sighs> Dude has he's only in his twenties, man. He has such he has so much more time left too to get better, and he's already this good here. Is it because he doesn't wrestle a lot? 
they 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 use him in a very smart way where he's not wrestling every week. He doesn't have to. You know, he's not a work rate guy. He's nope. he is an irritant. And that just nope. builds into his persona. You don't need and like that's going to work in well for him if if and when not if when he captures the AW world title eventually because yep. You know he's gonna be like, I like, I don't need to prove myself to you. I have this around my waist, yada yada yada. Um, and then eventually, I think Wardlow is gonna turn on him and cost him. It's gonna be good, but we we have two big turns that we're waiting for in AEW. Jamie Hater's eventually gonna turn on Britt. That's gonna be great. And then when eventually they keep they they kept teasing it right with Wardlow a couple times now, but when Wardlow turns, dude might be the next Dave Batista. Yeah, he he should just give him a a thumbs down, just as a a little sneaky snide to to WWE, like we're gonna do what you guys did, but better. Yep. Um, because War, I, I, Wardlow, another guy that doesn't wrestle often, but he's really good too. A cage match with Cody is, I mean, so far the highlight of his career, but I think he's got a huge ton of miles ahead of him. All right. I think that's our show for this week. Anything else to wrap up on, Will? Nope. That's it for me. Um, we've got. We've got a lot of uh, exciting things coming up. The new Hawkeye show is coming out. I'm uh, very excited for that next week. So just stay tuned with us. Uh, hopefully the Steelers and Penn State can kind of turn it back around. <laughs> Not holding my breath, though. But, uh, well, yeah. Also, shout out to Shohei Atani. Uh, for winning AL MVP. Unanimous. Well deserved. Was there ever any doubt? I I would be, I mean, with how baseball gets with old boomer voters, sometimes there is that take of it's not unanimous. But uh, I'm happy he got the unanimous because holy cow, was it well deserved. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, and then thanks. also, uh, brief NBA, Steph Curry is just making it rain right now. I mean, none of us are surprised. Steph Curry will be Steph Curry. No, he picked up exactly where he left off. And he's going to get hot just in time for Clay Thompson to come back around Christmas. If you're a Warriors fan, that's a pretty good Christmas gift to get. All right, buddy, send us off. Alrighty. All right, that's our show for this week. Stay safe out there. Uh, I don't know. Next week is Thanksgiving, so uh, travel safe. I don't know if we're doing a show next week. We probably not. Um, we might. Stay tuned. How do we end shows? I don't know anymore. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs> Be well. Stay safe. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you guys later.